now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Well, thank you, Mark Larson, and everyone, welcome back to Rod and Real Radio. I am your underfished host, Hop Along, John Cassidy, and we appreciate you all coming to hang with us for a little while this evening in between football games, whatever you're doing. We've got a show set up for you tonight that I think you're going to enjoy and appreciate. Let me just give you a rundown of some of our guests. First of all, we're going to have hoop netting, lobster fishing extraordinaire, Jim Salazar. He's going to be with us. Jim's going to tell us all the ins and outs about the upcoming recreational lobster season uh, that will be opening up here right in the beginning of October. So Jim will be first out of the gate. Later on, Wayne Cotto from the Coastal Conservation Association of California. They had a special event happening on October 3rd. He's going to fill us in on that. And then at 6 o'clock, we're going to have Seth Fidar. And Seth Fidar is a bass master champion of Mills Lock. It was the Angler of the Year tournament that he won. We want to give special uh, congratulations, too, to Gerald Swindell, who won the Angler of the Year. But Seth took the tournament, took it in grand fashion. We're going to talk a little bit to him. And then later on, we're going to have uh, Brad Manette. He is from Amber Marine. We're going to talk about, hey, you might have a boat that's brand new or you have a boat that has some hard-to-find parts. Hey, you want to see Brad at Amber Marine because I think he's the guy that can help you out. Wendy is taking off tonight, but with us is the voice of 1-800-BASSBOAT. He's my co-host here in Rod and Reel Radio, pretty darn good fisherman in his own right. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, how are you? Good evening, John. I am just great, and, and I hope everybody else is. I mean, this is a hot weekend, and okay. fishing is still hot outside, and, and uh, it's just going to get better, I think, here going into the long rain season. we got some real promise. Well, we'll talk about that a little later on, Stan. Yeah, there's a lot of great reports and a lot of things happening. And uh, if we don't cover it, we'll fill. We'll try to get to it because you and I had the opportunity to get out there in the past couple of weeks. And we ran into a lot of interesting things, and we'd like to pass them on to our listeners for sure. Oh, you bet. Hey, uh, let's bring on our first guest. You know, this is a guy you want to know between the months of October and March. Because that's recreational lobster hooping season. This is the guy that knows where it's happening, how it's happening, what to do, what to use. 
there is a great interest in recreational lobster hooping. Let's bring him on now. He's a pro staff member for Promar, Mr. Jim Salazar. Jim, welcome to Rod and Reel Radio. Hi, John. Hi, Stan. How are you guys? Doing well. We are doing Good. well. Hey, hey, Jim, I guess the first question. I think a lot of people were really kind of disappointed in the 2015-2016 uh, uh, season. There was a lot of anticipation that the water was going to be uh, uh, warmer. And at least here in San Diego, didn't seem like there was a good crawl, but uh, maybe up there in, uh, in the north there was. Uh, tell me, what's the anticipation for the uh, – 2016-2017 season. Well, at least I have a little more attention this this season because the, <laughs> the fishing hasn't been quite as red hot as it was last year. It was like walking up to people and shaking them to get their attention about the upcoming lobster season last season. But this year there seems to be a lot more attention. I've had some good attendance at the seminars, some very interested people. Um, as far as uh, public uh, interest, it seems a little higher this year. As far as lobster participation, I'm expecting much along the lines of what we had last year, especially after I just got a phone call uh, from Mexico. Their lobster season opens on the 15th. Okay. Wow. And I just got a call from Jeff Mariani down at uh, Cedros Tackle and uh, Cedros Kayak Fishing down there. And he told me that he was out fishing. Fishing was fantastic. The yellows were big. There was yellowfin tuna close by and uh, and lots of bonita for bait. But he said that the lobster guys were in a funk after the first two days of the opener of their season down there because the uh, lobster season started very poorly for them down in Mexico. Really? Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah, you know, I think that this year may uh, have uh, a little bit more substance to it because there are a lot more private boaters out there right now. With the, with the blue fins, the way that they came in, and everybody got a boat that could float and go chase those things, especially with the big ones that are around there. A lot of guys are still, a lot of the private boaters are still utilizing that. I think they're starting to think about, you know, okay, you know, I got the boat. It's already ready to go. We've been fishing for that blue fin and the yellow fin that's close to shore. And this is just another opportunity to use the boat that they just bought, including me, because I've got a new project boat <laughs> that's perfect for for uh, hoop netting. It's got an all all open cockpit area, a twenty footer. So, you know, what I'd kind of like to know is if I'm going to start doing this, what do I have to get, and then what do I do with it once I've got it? Well, I think this year would uh, be a good year to get an ace line hauler and try going deep again, much like. Uh, uh, the guys were doing last year. I know that you know my best hooping was deep last year um, in the Santa Monica Bay. Um, a lot of guys did well shallow, but uh, eventually it seemed like most of the lobsters pretty much were found deep, um, especially deep? at Catalina. The guys were really, really going deep over there. What's deep? Deep is to me anywhere from about a hundred and deep is when I put my two hundred foot ropes on and I go from about one hundred and thirty to about one hundred and seventy foot areas that I'm targeting. Okay, I want to push buttons some because I don't want to haul that much rope. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I say. The Ace Line hauler is probably the best way to go. Um, it's a Canadian-made device. Uh, Scotty also makes a, uh, a hauler, but it's more of a capstan style, so you really have to pay attention to it. With this Ace Line hauler, it has a new device called a Bulldog. It's like a Dalrin wheel on a spring. puts tension on the rope and just feeds it through a little throat, aluminum, aluminum throat, 
and it just literally coils that 200 feet of rope right at my feet. So I don't have to worry about coiling it up even just wow. once in a while. Yeah, this yeah, is a that, great device. You're right. That's what you want. I think so. I think that's what guys are going to have to do this season. I think they're going to have to go a little deeper. Either that or get uh, get a young guy to go on the boat that uh, doesn't like lobster. <laughs> <laughs> that likes to pull a lot. Exactly. James, let's talk a little bit about uh, what to use. Uh, you know, you're on the Promore staff. Promore makes some excellent, excellent products. Uh, uh, I, I like them as opposed to a lot of the real inexpensive import uh, product that you see in a lot of the mass marketing stores and a few other places. Tell us about a few of the products that Promore makes, first when it comes to the hoops and then the accessories. Well, I talked to Ben uh, just uh, yesterday and told him that I was going to be on the radio with you, and he said, oh, John's a big supporter of the new XL. The new XL is a new product that we have at Promar. It's our Ambush XL. What we've done is we've taken the Ambush net, which was a 32-inch diameter net, and we've raised the height of it a little bit and raised the diameter of it, so it's now a 36-inch net. Um, it's basically the same-looking style of net. We've put a cool-looking uh, light blue um, uh, bridle on there instead of the black bridle that you find on the 32, so it's really easy for the guys to tell them apart. But this new net looks really good. I, I, I'm really looking forward to fishing it. How about you, John? I am really looking forward to fishing it, and it's selling really good there. You know, people perceive that there might be an advantage of using this solid structure net, but you know, uh, there was a time when our Department of Fish and Wildlife was going, no conical necks at all, no conical, you know, they're, they're traps, and Promar did a lot of research in order to keep these hoop nets on the market. Isn't that right, Jim? Uh, not only did we do research, but I was also on the fishery, uh, uh, on the lobster advisory committee on the fishery management plan for our lobster uh, um, uh, FMP that we've put together. And, um, you know, I, I had, or there was a time when I did have to defend our rights on the conical style of nets, but uh, we're looking real good on that and uh, on any small reg changes that are coming up. Um, as far as uh, Promar doing tests on them, yeah, we put them in a tank, a saltwater tank that somebody had for. Uh, for uh, tropical fish, and he let us use this empty tank of salt water that he had. We put lobsters in there, we put bait inside the net, and we put lobsters inside it. They stayed in there as long as there was bait in the net. If we put them in an empty net, the big ones were out of there within seconds. The smaller ones, it took them, they're not the brightest uh, brightest uh, uh, bulbs in the drawer. So it took them a little longer to figure out their way out, but eventually they got right out of there too. So, you know, if it's a trap, it has the biggest escape hatch of any trap on the market that I've ever seen. All right. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, they've been fishing for a long time. They have the regular circular hoop nets, and there's a time and place for that net where it really works out well as opposed to the conicals. Yeah. Give us a, 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 a distinction between when to fish with either one of these nets. Well, first off, I think the conical nets are easier for beginners because you don't have to be so technique-oriented like you do with the flat style or the classic style of nets. Um, although with the conical nets, you want to leave them down longer, so you'll want to leave the conical nets down for a half an hour to two hours. Two hours is the maximum time allowed by fish and game. Really? So you want to leave them down for a good long time, let those lobsters figure out how to get up and inside there. Um, and uh, they're also better in deeper water. I find the flat nets are really fun, and they're more efficient in shallow water for me, shallow water being anything under, like, uh, 40 feet or so. 
anything more than that, and I really prefer to use the conicals. But when I'm setting those flat nets, they don't take, it doesn't take long for the lobsters and crabs to figure out how to crawl in to get to that bait. So you want to be a lot more um, uh, uh, observant of your gear when you're doing flat nets. So when I set my five nets, which is the maximum allowed for one person, 10 is the maximum nets allowed for any number of people on a vessel. Um, so when I set my five flat nets, it's usually been 15 minutes to 20 minutes at least by the time I get them all set. So I need to run back to the or paddle back in my kayak, pedal my Hobie back up to the end of the line and start picking them back up again and checking them. If there's nothing in the first two, I might leave it, let them sit down for another 15 minutes and then start picking them up. But with those flat nets, I like to keep a pretty good cycle going of picking them up. And I think it's fun. It adds another dimension to it because you're constantly working rather than, you know, sitting there in that deeper water letting those conical nets soak for an hour while you're, you know, fishing or having dinner, which is not a bad thing either. So how do you carry ten or, I mean, five nets on a, on a kayak? Um, I usually do a PVC rack on the back of my kayak. And the other thing is with those big pro anglers that I'm in, they are so stable. And the other boat I have is the Adventure Island, which is a, a trimaran with uh, trampolines and a sail on it. And that thing is, is super stable. So when I'm out there with those nets, it's, it's really no problem at all carrying five nets on a kayak. You wow. know, Jim, here in San Diego, we've got some really well-educated uh, seals and sea lions, and I'm sure you have that up north, too. <laughs> Escapees from SeaWorld. Is yeah, oh, my gosh. When it, uh, But when it comes, there are several ways to, to bait your traps. Obviously, there's a pouch, there's a cage, and then there's this new tube type of thing that we see out in the market. Uh, tell us uh, uh, the advantages of either one of those uh, uh, ways of baiting your traps. Well, with, when the sea lions get really bad, which you guys down from Dana Point south, it seems like the problem has really, really gotten bad. As you get further north, we don't seem to have the problem quite as bad as you guys do down there. And uh, uh, what a lot of guys are still using up here is we're using bait cages, which are those wire metal cages. We can still get away with that. But down in San Diego, Zuniga Jetty, Mission Bay, uh, Dana Point, those places down there are just getting hammered by the sea lions, and they've really figured out how to headbutt and crush and how to bite open those, uh, pry open those uh, bait cages. So guys are making uh, PVC tubes. They started off making tubes that were anywhere from uh, 2-inch PVC to 4-inch PVC and drilling a whole bunch of holes in them and then attaching them with zip ties to their nets. Well, Promar came out with a PVC tube that uh, has a stainless cable that goes through it. It has uh, bait cage clips on either side that are sized properly to fit right onto your bait ring on your Promar nets. And then it has uh, the caps are captured on the top of the, uh, the tube. And then the tube alone has probably 80 holes inside it. So you fill this thing up with bait. And when you fill up your bait cage or your bait tube, I like to tell people to stuff it as full as they can. And with a bloody, oily bait, salmon, sardines, uh, tuna, bonita, skipjack, something like that that's really going to be bloody and oily and draw everything in that nearshore area into your, uh, into your gear. And speaking of accessories, uh, that another new accessory that Promar has is that uh, set of insulated or the pair of insulated gloves that we have out there now. Nice. We have them in yes. a couple of colors. Great for sorting lobsters. Oh, hey, and Jim, uh, uh, before we uh, before you leave here, licensing. Uh, you know, everyone needs a uh, California uh, a fishing license that's over the age of 16, but there's a little bit more to it than that. Tell us uh, what is needed. 
Um, you need to have a, a fishing license and uh, with a saltwater stamp, and then you need to have a report card. Uh, the report card is probably the best deal that DFG has out on the market. Lobsters were going for about $20 a pound on the hook for the commercial guys last year at the most expensive. And when they was down at Point Loma Seafood, they were $36 a pound for the uh, consumer. So at $10, less than $10 for the report card, I think it's about the best deal that the uh, fishing game has out there. This report card is something that you, we gather data with. And then this data is uh, assembled, and uh, Travis Buck down in San Diego puts it all together, and then I usually get, and everybody else that's publicly uh, available can get the results of these report cards. And um, it's really important to me because I utilized that data when I was on the Lobster Advisory Committee to defend our rights as far as setting a seasonal limit or changing our limits or um, you know any regulation changes that were talked about like that. I really utilize that report card data to defend your fishing rights. So please, please, I beg you to turn in your report cards. It'll help you in two ways. First off, you won't have to pay the $20 fee if you didn't turn it in and you want to buy a new one. Secondly, I'll have that data available to myself and to anybody else that's on any lobster advisory committee or even with the CCA. And uh, I've, I've used that uh, as a, one of the members of the CCA to uh, to uh, talk to the DFG about before. And uh, it's a good thing everybody's going to be talking away, and you're going to get a little double hit here of the two of the CCA guys. I've been on the uh, state board of directors, and uh, and now you're going to get our executive director, and he's been doing an excellent job, by the way, you guys. He is, and uh, they've got a big event coming on, uh, happening here in San Diego in October. We're going to get Wayne on. But well, before we let you go, you know, the Promar products are available in most all of the fine tackle stores throughout Southern California. Angler's Arsenal has a good selection of them. But if people want to shop ahead of time and uh, uh, find out what these things look like, features, advantages, and benefits of not only the hoop nets but the accessories, where can they go to get that information, James? They can go to our uh, Promar and Ahi uh, websites. Um, and they can also go to the uh, to the Facebook page. As a matter of fact, on the Facebook page, we've been having a couple of contests uh, running before lobster season starts with uh, people sending in pictures from last season, and then we're going to pick out a couple of the pictures and send some gifts out to those folks. Just out of curiosity, anything that they need to know about male or female lobsters? Uh, the female lobster is easily identified by looking at the tail. They have big fins on the tail. The males have very small fins on the tails. Um, when you're done at the end of the night and you still have a few nets in the water and you're going to pull up your nets and you get more lobsters, bigger lobsters, it is illegal to cull lobsters, but everybody does it. And if you're culling lobsters, you might want to think about returning those females. So the bigger fins on the tail is what the female has. The smaller fins are what determine whether it's a male or female. All right, Jim Salazar. Uh... Hoop netter extraordinary. Jim, if, if you will, let us catch up with you again in a, a couple of weeks. And if you can, give us an update on how the season's going and if there's any particular tips that you uh, can pass on to our listeners that uh, you've gleaned in the few weeks that you've been lobster fishing. Uh, I'd like, them, like you to pass them on to our guys. I ho- hope we can talk to you again real soon. That sounds great, John. Give me a call uh, a week after or so, and we'll set something up, and I'll get on the radio with you again. Love talking to you guys. Thank you so much, and I'm sorry I missed Wendy. All right. Thank you, Jim Salazar. Hey, this is Rod and Real Radio on AM540 or at rodandreelradio.com. Stan Vandenberg and I will be back after these messages. 
you can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at El Cajon Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now if the fish are biting i'm on my boat rain or shine of course i wear my life jacket it's like wearing a seatbelt. clip it on grab my tackle box and hit the water love california boat california save california a message from california state parks division of boating and waterways H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag. Quantum Fishing, we are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619 466 8355. This segment of Ron Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to balloonfisherking.com for further information. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Real Radio. I, <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. 
Hey, Stan and I, we want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. Wendy is off tonight. That's why you haven't heard anything from her. And it's now time for The Voice. He is the guy that heads up PFO Radio. And on Sunday nights, he's here with what the heck is Phil thinking? He's kind of been as scarce as Albacore in our Southern California waters here the past few weeks. But we've we caught up with him tonight, Mr. Phil Friedman. Phil, how you doing tonight? Hey, John and Stan, it is great to be with you, man. You are so right. I mean, I've been down in San Felipe a little bit. I was in the Mexican Independence Parade in East L.A. Oh, my God, almost killed me walking a couple of miles in that hot sun. In fact, we got to the end of the parade, and then one of the beauty queens was sitting on uh, on a car, and she said in Spanish, oh, my God, that was tiring. I almost wanted to hit her over the head with a float she rode on the car through the whole thing you know big guy like me schlepping through that whole thing and i thought i was gonna die but it was a great experience and mayor garcetti man his spanish is really really good and of course you know i kind of been hiding out a little bit because uh well i was kind of afraid that maybe you and stan would start picking on me about the irish and with the horrible season they're having so no 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 oh no, my no. god just warmed up Southern California is so pathetic. Uh, we've got the Raiders, we got the Chargers, we got SC. We should we can, we should be throwing rocks at anybody. Oh my God, I know it's tough here on everybody, but uh, it's good to be back with you, John and Stan. You guys are are the best. You know how much I love being on your show and how much I deeply respect both you guys. Well, thank you. Hey, what were you going to say, Stan? I said the Rams were winning. <laughs> we got one one team that's doing a little good. Yeah, we had to yeah, bring uh, a, and the team from out of town, the sandbag for us. Yeah, really. <laughs> hey, Phil, you know, Stan and I, we've had a chance to go out the past couple of weeks, so uh, we've had some personal experience of what's happening out here. We had two really different type of trips, but uh, same conclusion. But what are you gleaning from the guys that are fishing uh, out of Southern California right now? Well, hey, John, I thought I would take you south of the border to start with and then work my way up here, but I'll take you through the eyes of Will Eversman, a good friend of mine from the L.A. Rod and Reel Club, and he with a bunch of other guys from the L.A. Rod and Reel Club, Orchid Martinez, organized the trip, and they went down south. They went to Castro's camp down uh, below Ensenada and Arendia and had just awesome rock fishing. Will said that the pongueros down there were tremendous. They're really hard workers, good fishermen, and they filled an ice chest full of fish and really, really had a lot of fun there. And then they moseyed on down to San Quentin, which is 140 miles down below the border as the crow flies from San Diego. They went to Don Eddy's, and Will pointed out he wanted me to definitely extend a really big abrazote, a big hug to Tony down there. He said he couldn't have been nice. The food was great. The fishing was off the hook, wonderful, and the Baja hospitality was fabulous. So they had good times there. And then they came up and finished up at the Hotel Corral in um, uh, Ensenada, Fito Espinosa. I want to send him my very, very best. I saw him over at the Stan Miller Yacht uh, Club Invitational. I emceed that event a couple of weeks ago, and it was good to see Fito. And the hotel, beautiful. The food, great. They were out on the game fisher Ensenada, and he said it was a little bit slower fishing, but that happens. He said the crew and everything were fantastic, but really a great Baja adventure. And then they finish up. Will had to go by the Rosarito Beach Hotel and say hi to all our friends there. And Will had left his car 
bar down there with a friend of ours named Jose, and there's also a uh, an upholstery place uh, down there called Orange County Upholstery, if you could believe that. Ramon, yes. Lupe, and Manny are there. And um, he had an estimate up here to have the car painted and the upholstery done. The l- cheapest he found was $4,000. He had it done down there for 800 bucks, and he is still walking around on cloud nine so stoked about the job they did and man his car looks just awesome so a lot of fun down south of border some really excellent bottom fishing they didn't run into any surface stuff but that's how that has been going good mixed bag fishing for some and a little more difficult for others out of san diego there's yellowfin there's yellowtail there's dorada you find the right kelp or find the right bunch of puddlers and you can really have some good fishing the condor had an excellent day down in that neck of the woods today so there's still plenty of opportunities and as you know fall is when you have your best weather months you usually have less wind in the fall and you get really that smorgasbord you get all that variety that's what's so interesting about the fall when you roll up on a kelp patty you know as opposed to being albacore fishing when you throw bait you're pretty much going to catch an albacore sometimes you'll get a bluefin or something else but most of the time you're albacore fishing you're going to get an albie when you're hitting those kelps this time of the year you just don't know what you're going to hook. A big flathead, a nice yellow fin, could even be a blue fin on there, could be a big eye, could be any number of different species, and that just adds to the entire scenario. San Nicolas Island is worth pointing out. The Freedom out of 22nd Street Landing has been up there on a regular basis and had excellent yellowtail fishing. There's a big bonita also on there biting the iron. If they can get some squid, of course, that candy bait works really, really, really well. Amen but there. that's been a... That's been a little difficult. There's some squid at Pyramid Cove at uh, San Clemente Island. It, it's kind of up and down. And I can tell you the commercial fleet right now, they all took off for Anacap Island. They've had way too much wind up there in the last 48 hours. But there's been a significant amount of squid. Obviously, when the commercial fleet starts rolling toward an area, it's because there's commercial quantities of market squid. And that's where they're all headed. So in the next couple of days, I think we'll get a better beat on that. Three-quarter day boats uh, over there at Catalina Island. I would call it like 20 to 50 yellow, sometimes better than that. Some smaller, some a little bit bigger. Good bonita fishing, few bass and rockfish, that kind of thing. And local fishing has really been tougher in the Long Beach area. San Pedro area, even up in the Santa Monica Bay, they had some yellowtail biting up there, but it has slowed. Uh, one thing, you know, you can't take sculpin since that was shut down. So it's pretty much rock fishing right now, and, you know, it hadn't been uh, terrible, hadn't been great, but in terms of any kind of exotics you're looking for, yellows or sea bass or some kind of a fall bite on that kind of a thing it really has slowed down here recently but still you know i mean it is sunny and warm here this afternoon it's a beautiful afternoon in southern california i know we have more hot weather on tap tomorrow you never know that can heat things up and really get things rolling and we'll see what that commercial fleet that squid fleet finds up there at a cap island and see if we can't get a steady supply of squid look for the channel islands to really start to crank they can have some wonderful fall yellow bites, some sea bass up there also. It can really get good up there in that neck of the woods, John. Stan, I know you had a great trip with uh, Bobby Taft at uh, San Clemente Island, and then the week afterwards, it just changed considerably out there when the the cool water came over those high points that you were on. And uh, uh, I was out last week with Chuck Taft, and we got into some of those schooler yellowfin at the 302. Knocked them dead, but I understand there's another wave of warm water that's going to be uh, uh, passing over those high points again, and I think that bluefin bite's going to turn on like you guys had. Well, you know, that's, the one thing you can count on is the ocean changes every day. 
you know, those current flows, you get a push of, of water that upswelling from either the west or from the south, you know, it can change things overnight. I mean, we saw, we saw a 12-degree difference in water that one weekend. Um, it just happens. But, you know, our timing was incredibly good. <laughs> I, uh, I was the first time in my lifetime on a five-and-a-half-day trip we did not go into Mexico's waters. We stayed up north here because uh, all of the guys that fish on my five-day, they're all great sticks. I mean, i got to admit, I've got a great group of guys that fish with me, and, and, and everybody goes, well, we'll just take our chances on the big guys. Let's just go play and see what we can do. So we ran up to Pyramid, and uh, Bobby had a little bit of squid in the boat from the prior trip that he kept for us, and when we got up there in the morning, uh, I got the first fish of the boat on the flat fall. There was only three or four of us up around, you know, just at, uh, before gray there. Um, and I got the first one on a flat fall, and uh, soon thereafter another guy got one. Richard Root got one about the same size in, in that 88, 89-pound uh, stuff. And um, he got his on bait, and then the next thing you know, we were kind of off to the races there. Uh, about, I don't know, an hour or so later I got another one, so I got my – my limit for the day, and then I started just hooking and handing for the rest of the crew there. Um, but we had just phenomenal fun, um, and and the squid really did make a difference. Using the, I was using a number one hook, a small hook, heavy duty one, uh, Gamagatsu with uh, a little maybe three quarter slider weight uh, for with forty. You could use fifty in the gray. They didn't. They'd still eat that. When it got a little brighter, they wanted the forty uh, to pull on these fish, but they were real cooperative. They definitely ate the squid bait better than they ate the uh, sardines. But we stayed on that until uh, we, we caught as much as we wanted to, and then the helicopters started coming around telling everybody, you're going to have to leave. <laughs> we knew that they were going to shut down the islands for two days while they were out there, but they shut it down in, in periods where you can go back in at night and make bait. And, um, there, there are areas of the islands that you could still go to, and uh, play around with the calicos or yellowtail, whatever. So we just kind of went in and out, in and out, and uh, went back the second night to make more squid. And while we were there, one of the commercial boats came in and said, why don't we just wrap the cove and you can have whatever you want out of that. So we ended up with about 30 brails of squid, which wow. is phenomenal because we didn't have to work for it. We were already catching decent uh, numbers, but that was easy <laughs> to watch them do it and and then take brails of bait, and it really made a difference in our trip because we'd go outside then and play with that yellowfin that wasn't too far off the island, and that stuff was anywhere from 30 to 60 pounds. I mean, it was just quality fish. Nice. So, hey, hey, Phil, uh, has there been any yellowfin uh, off of uh, L.A. or Long Beach, or are those uh, yellowfin, uh, like Stan was talking about, uh, as far out of San Clemente, and then the schoolers have been, like, at the 302? Uh, any reports of uh, any of the yellowfin up there yet? Scattered, John, and, and there was a little bit of a rebound. You mentioned uh, that there was some warmer water started moving in east of San Clemente Island on, like, Desperation Reef has been where that bluefin has been hanging out, and that bigger bluefin uh, showed some life today. So uh, you're absolutely right for pointing that out, and it seems like that's going to come together. It's been scattered on the yellowfin, real scattered. seems like most of those guys are on their Mexican vacations, and they've pushed to the <laughs> other side of the border down into Mexico right now. So uh, whether that's the end of it or whether we get another push of warm water and it drifts back up on this side of the border is up in the air right now but most of it appears to push down below past the border and down into mexico at this point in time 
Well, well just you just sh- never know. If they get a push of warm water, the stuff, I don't think it tra- It probably doesn't travel that far. We'll, still, we'll see. we still got that school stuff uh, that's down there in between San Clemente. Well, it's pretty pretty close between the 9 through the 43, not coming up this way. Um, but but there's a concentration of boats, and everybody seems to be getting it. We had phenomenal fishing. We stayed with the, the squid. It made such a big difference when there were other boats around us anchored up fishing sardines. We'd put the squid out. You could throw it up just a little upswell if you were on the anchor on the drift and didn't let it drift down below the boat there. And usually within, you know, five minutes, you're on. Um, it was pretty consistent for every day that we fished. We did go back into the island when the, when we had our go chance on. and had an epic couple of hours of yellowtail fishing with the squid. And yellow, yeah, actually, they ate everything, that yellowtail that we found. There were lots of them, and they were big. We got them over 40 pounds. Nice, Dan. Um, a bunch you know, of them. So we went out with, You know, Phil, uh, we went out with uh, uh, Chuck Taft on the legend. Uh, two days after uh, Stan was, I was all ready to go up to San Clemente Island, had everything all rigged up, ready to go. You know, uh, uh, Chuck comes in uh, for the safety meetings. says, guys, Bobby's up at uh, San Clemente right now. Uh, and his first day of fishing, he had uh, three yellowtail and a couple of bonita. I'm not going all the way up there. Let's see if we can get some of those schoolers. We stayed around the 302. We trolled on the first day. We had uh, maybe 50 fish. On the second day, we finally hit a group of fish that wanted to bite. We brought in 100 fish in just one stop. Had 171 fish total on the legend, and it turned out to be a great trip. So get ready for anything, guys. Hey, Phil, no we've, just about, we've just about run out of time over here. If people want to get a hold of you, find out what you've been doing, uh, you know, things that you're getting involved with, uh, how's the best way to keep up with you? Because I know I can't. <laughs> John, PFORadio.com, you can check there. And if anybody's interested in any of the stuff I was talking about in Baja, like the car painting or anything like that, you can drop me an email at PFO, Phil Friedman Outdoors, PFORadio at gmail.com. I'm more than happy to tune you up on some great deals down that neck of the woods as well as a lot of other places. And as always, it is a great pleasure to be with you, John and Stan, and especially with all the great folks out there listening. I would say go Irish, but it's a little too embarrassing at this point. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe keep going Irish. Yeah, they, yeah, there's still plenty of season left, Phil, and they've got some still some big games ahead of them. So if anything else, they can be spoilers, right? Exactly. All right. Phil Friedman, the voice. Phil, thanks a lot for being with us. Stan and I, we're going to take a break right now. Coming up next with the Southern California Report will be the fish icon himself, James Nelson. Stay tuned. Still lots more Rod and Reel Radio ahead. Amber Marine has been servicing boats and outboard motors for more than 30 years in the Newport Harbor area. They're a factory-authorized dealer for Tohatsu and Nissan outboards and also provide factory-authorized repair and service for all types of marine outboards. Located near the corner of 17th and Placentia Avenue, Amber Marine is at 786 Newton Way in Costa Mesa. Affordable boating and repair since 1982. 949-646-6918 and on the web at ambermarine.net. Anglers are 
Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics. McCoy Line, Spro Products, Gamakatsu Hooks, G. Loomis Fishing Rods, Shimano Products, Ovid Reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal Tackle Store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Hey, Stan and I, we want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. Now it's time for the Southern California Report with the fish icon himself, Captain James Elson. And Captain James, I want to thank you very much for going out with me and attending the uh, the grand opening of Lake San Vicente last Wednesday with the mayor and all the dignitaries from the water utilities department, everything like that. Even though we didn't get a chance to fish, it was really an enlightening trip. It was, John. I think so. I mean, I think I got something out of it. Hopefully I can use some of that information that I've gathered out of that from everybody else to, uh, when I get there tomorrow. Yeah. Now, well, you know. lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jim was able to get a ticket for the first day. I know uh, my guy here in the shop, Chuck, he was out on Thursday. Jonathan's out there today. We've been getting plenty of information. Uh, uh, first of all, Jim and I were out there uh, on the day before the – uh, the opening to the public, uh, uh, Mayor Faulkner was out there with all the dignitaries from uh, the Water Utilities Department talking about the the real purpose for having San Vicente up there, all the money that they spent. And, uh, and Jim, I've got to tell you, though, uh, uh, they spent a lot of money on that um, new marina that they have there, but it is indeed really beautiful. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't wait. We'll see what it's going to be like. Yeah, the the guys are saying even though there's you know a couple hundred boats launching a day over there, the launch ramp is plentiful, easy getting into the water, large parking lot, a little bit of a hike back and forth, but uh, uh, worth it. And the fishing 
has just been off the hook. And uh, next uh, uh, Saturday night, we're going to have a, a recorded show. We got some interviews with Mayor Faulkner himself and some of those dignitaries from the Water Utilities Department talking about the project and the value that project is to the Southern California area when it comes to supplying water and especially in this time of drought. So we'll be playing those interviews for you next Saturday night. But, Jim, besides that, what's happening in uh, our inshore areas off San Diego here? Um, you know what? I haven't had uh, <laughs> I haven't been spending as much time on our inshore. I have gone a little bit north up in the Los Angeles area. No kidding. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, yesterday we ran out to uh, Catalina Island. That was pretty fun. Really? Yeah, we, we actually got a late start stand. So it's always nice when when you uh, poke your nose out of uh, Long Beach Harbor there and you look over and, and you don't quite see the island because the haze is there and you just see nothing but flat water in between. It. Well, that's, that's what happens exactly with the Santa Ana. As soon as they hit, mm-hmm. the ocean goes flat. Yep, and you know, the age-old thing is if you could see the island, don't go there. (laughs) (laughs) Or come back early. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Jim, I saw that you posted some pictures on James Nelson on Facebook and uh, with a variety of the fish that you caught. I know you caught some calicos. Did you find the calicos uh, that were in that area any different than the uh, California, uh, the calicos that we catch off our uh, San Diego coastline and down off Imperial Beach? Yes, absolutely, John. Those calicos there are mean, you know. And if you want to catch calicos, uh, you can catch, you know, you can catch way more calicos than you could ever imagine. Um, and it's just a matter of just showing up and throwing what you normally would for calicos, whether it be soft plastics, uh, natural baits, or whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, hard baits. Uh, they they're just mean. There's a lot more of them in that uh, barely keeper to three pound size than you could ever imagine. And if you want to Get the bigger ones, uh, you know, guys who are willing to work at it, get a little tighter to the rocks, throw the bigger baits. You could catch plenty of the bigger ones, too. And I, I, actually, you'll catch plenty of the mid-sized ones on the, on the bigger baits. It really doesn't matter. They're so mean, they'll just eat anything, um, <laughs> whether you want them to or not. Were Yesterday, they, we were, I'm sorry. Were they hanging uh, in kelps? Uh, were they hanging in rock piles, deep structure? Uh, uh, how were you finding them, Jim? They sure were, John. <laughs> That's just how mean they are. I mean, it, it, Catalina is it's a weird place because uh, there's uh, areas there. There seems to be, I don't know if it's gypsum or what, but there's some type of rock there that releases this uh, white cloudy stuff into the water when the waves hit it just right. And uh, as clear as that water is, you can see a good 40 feet down. You'll get around some of that spots where you get that little bit of cloudiness. It's not dirty water by any means. It's just this, it's natural particles that just cloud it up. And uh, you get on the, the edge of that where it goes from clear water to cloudy, and those calicos will stage on that, and uh, it's just lights out. You just catch them like crazy. Uh, and that just seems like open water, no structure whatsoever. And then you get around rocks, uh, you get around kelp, you get around uh, any other kind of transition uh, of, you know, say gravel to big rock or whatever, any kind of transition you can imagine, you're going to find calico on. It's just, like I said, it's just a magical place. And I could see why guys like going there a lot. And I, you know, um, I know a lot of guys that live uh, a lot closer to areas they can get out of, like, say, either Newport, Dana, Long Beach, uh, you know, Palos Verdes, guys who live up 
all in that L.A. area that just like they know all the great places to, to go up there. And yet when they can, they'll just skip all the local places and go straight to Catalina just because it's such a magical place. Now, were you able to, uh, did you stay mainly on the east side of the island? Or were you able to turn the corner and uh, maybe do a little fishing on the west side? Um, I've got basically, with my limited knowledge, I've got great spots that I like there. And I usually do start on the lee side or the east side and then work my way around. Uh, there's a couple uh, good rocky areas that I like as we're going on, I would say, the south side. And uh, I know a few spots on the north side, but, you know, that the the island itself is so big, unless you move really fast and skip a lot of things, you're not going to hit the whole island in one day, really not, or you're not going to be able to penetrate uh, spots very well. You're just going to be fishing faster than anything. Um, and there's guys who like to do it that way. They'll take a few good casts on a, on a rock, really big stuff, and then move, you know, if they don't get the quality that they're looking for. But uh, we were looking mostly, we were looking for yellowtail and uh you know, and everything else was just a bonus catch, so, or, you know, bycatch, however you want to look at it. But, uh, you know, again, those calicos we were getting yesterday were just, they're just mean fish. And there were, there were plenty that were only 12 to 14 inches that were just coming up and just chasing bait right to the boat and grabbing it when they could. Just, just they're just mean fish. Oh, great to, to see that you can go out there and catch them. And, James, that that really gives me a new perspective because we think about you just for fishing San Diego Bay and, and, and forget that uh, you uh, do all the freshwater lakes, you, you do Mission Bay, and uh, if you got clients that want you to go out of Dana or L.A. Harbor or that area, you'll, you'll accommodate them too. And I know that's probably really challenging for you to have that type of scope. It is, you know, and I, I have to be quite honest. I don't hit those uh, those areas up there as much as I'd like to. Uh, so I'm not, you know, knowing it like the back of my hand is not a phrase I could use, but I know how to get out there and have fun on those spots. And we catch fish, so that's oh. always fun. But, All right, uh, Captain, Captain James, the people who want to get a hold of you, find out what your availability is, schedule you for a Salt or freshwater trip here in Southern California area, how's the best way to do it? Well, they can always reach me at the, at the website, thefishicon.com, or give me a phone call, 619-395-0799. Hey, I know you're going to be fishing San Vicente tomorrow. <laughs> Go out there and get them. Good luck, and we look forward to hearing about the stories next week, okay? Absolutely a pleasure. Thanks again, for guys, and I'll talk to you next week. All right, right. James Nelson, the fish icon. Hey, listen, there is a big event happening down here on Saturday, October 1st with the uh, Coastal Conservation Association. And who better to tell us all about it is the president of the California chapter, Mr. Wayne Cotto. Wayne, welcome to Rod and Reel Radio. How you doing, sir? I'm doing excellent, John. How you doing, Stan? Pretty good, Wayne. How you been? I've been great, sir. Got a lot going on. Well, yeah, and let's hear about it. I know the the thing that you have is uh, there's a big event coming up on October 1st here in San Diego. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, we have an excellent, excellent event coming up. It's the uh, San Diego Chapters Craft Beer and Food Festival. Uh, yeah. It'll be held October 1st, 530 to 930 at the Portuguese Hall right there in Shelter Island. Um, it's going to be so much fun. We have so many good prizes to uh, give away. Um, we're going to have a great beer. We're going to have a bunch of food. 
everybody come out and have a good time. You know, it's fishermen. Let's go eat, drink, and talk stories. So, you know, that's what it's about. Well, that's great. And I know there'll be a, a minimum of $50 donation, but for that $50, you get pretty much bang for your buck and uh, more reason to even go over there and make it a larger donation with the great raffles and the silent auction you're going to be having. Absolutely. Yeah, and $50 is the entry price, but the $30 of that is your uh, annual membership. So it's actually only $20 to get into the event, if you think about it, and you get all that food and beer, you know. And uh, you can buy your tickets on Eventbrite. We have a CCA Cal of SD, uh, eventbrite.com, and you can go buy them up there. Now, a lot of people might not know uh, where the Portuguese Hall is uh, here in Southern California. How's the best way to get over there to the hall, Wayne? If you're heading towards Shelter Island Ramp and you go down uh, Shelter Island Drive, it's right on the right side, uh, street past uh, Scott Street. So if you, if you know your way to the landings or you know your way down to Shelter Island Ramp or Humphreys even, uh, it's on the way and it's right on the right side there before you get to the Brigantine. Now, you're also offering tables uh, for uh, uh, larger sponsors, and then there's also a way to purchase tickets online. Uh, uh, why don't you give us that information? Yep, you can. Uh, so the tables are 10, 10 people per table. Uh, you can buy those and, and then bring all your friends. Um, uh, you can buy your tickets online at uh, eventbrite.com. Uh, CCA Cal SD is our, uh, is our page. Um, it's all available up there. And if anything else, you can always call Lewis. Uh, he's the one putting it on, and, and he's been really, really good at help putting this all together uh, as part of the San Diego chapter. So. You can get a hold of Lewis Almeida at 760-585-6357 or just go to lewis.almeida, and that's L-A-L-M-E-I-D-A, Dot junior at gmail.com or I'm sure that you have that information that's available at the uh, CCA of uh, California SD uh, uh, site if uh, I'm not mistaken do you not we have it up on our, our website uh, ccacalifornia.org okay it's the California state website and you can get it there or again you can get it on Eventbrite now unfortunately uh, uh, because of the fact that this is going to be a handcrafted beer fest and everything like that, I, I think uh, that you have to exclude uh, uh, those fishermen that are under 21 years old uh, to this event. Is that right, Wayne? Yeah, we're trying to make this one 21 and over so we can, uh, you know, all have fun and not have to worry about the children. All right, but this there'll, is there'll uh, be other events that we'll invite the children to. Oh, you better believe it. But this is going to be a fun event, but it's also going to be a big fundraiser to give a boost to the Coastal Conservation Association. And, and Wayne, uh, I'm sorry that we're not going to be able there because we're going to be at Cedros Island that weekend, but uh, uh, we'll support you however we can. And we just hope uh, that uh, you have a great event there. And, again, one more time to find out what's going to be happening there at this craft uh, beer and food festival at the Portuguese Hall on October 1st. How's the best way, again, to get the information? You can always go up to our website, CCA of, uh, ccacalifornia.org, or like us on Facebook. We're uh, CCA Cal of SD. So right. that, and you can buy your tickets on Eventbrite. All right. Wayne Cotto, Wayne, you've been doing a great job. I know you've probably been running hard and put away wet. But you knew that coming aboard. Uh, congratulations on 
the great job and the successes that uh, you've seen for the CCA and the, the fishermen of, of California and uh, continued much success. And you guys have a great time at this event, okay? Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. Be well. That's uh, Wayne Cotto, uh, president of the Coastal Conservation Association, California, of the October 1st event that they'll be having at the Portuguese Hall here in San Diego. Well, guys, that's it for the first hour of Ron Real Radio. Stan and I are going to be back. And coming up next, we've got Seth Fighter. He is the Bassmaster champion at um, Mills uh, Locks. What's Mills Locks? We're going to find out all about it and why this was such an important tournament for not only him, but Gerald Swindell. So stay tuned. There's still a lot more Rod and Reel Radio to come. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks no matter what you're hauling or towing for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert now get special savings on every f-series truck in stock 150s 250s 350s at el cajon ford we have commercial trucks too including the all-new transit connect finally a commercial van with great mileage helping your business get moving again el cajon ford worth the short drive from anywhere in southern california broadway and east main at el cajon or online anytime anywhere at el If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Guano Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take it, kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your Quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal.com at 619-466-8355. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available, or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives 
and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. Hey, welcome back to the second hour of Ron Real Radio. I am your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. Stan Vandenberg's with me tonight, too. And before we get on to our first guest, Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to give a big shout-out to Donnie Ivino. Donnie's in St. Joseph Hospital right now. He just underwent colon cancer surgery. It is said that it was a very successful surgery. Danny, uh, Donnie's going to be recovering for a, a few days in the hospital, and then will be at home. And if you want to send your uh, regards over to Donnie Ivino, just go on Facebook to Don Ivino and uh, send your regards because I know they're pouring into him right now. So, Don, get well soon, and we look forward to having you back on Rod and Reel Radio. You betcha, Pappy. We're praying for you, buddy. You got it. Hey, you know, it's our pleasure to bring on some of the new fishermen that are coming on in the uh, pro uh, angling circuit. We've got one of the best here right now. He is the winner of the, uh, the I'm going to say it, it's the Mills Lock uh, Lake uh, Championship, the BASS Elite Tournament, the tournament of, to, that determined the angler of the year. And though the, our guy was not the angler of the year, he certainly impressed all those guys that were fishing below him. Let's welcome to Rod Real Radio, Seth Fighter. Seth, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me. Hey, it is good having you. Now, you know, I got to tell you, we we are here out on the left coast. We've got a lot of our favorite Western fishermen that are fishing BASS and FLW, and we know a lot of the guys nationally. Seth, you're you're a name that we may not be quite as familiar with. Why don't you give us a little idea on your background, okay? Uh, this is my uh, second year fishing the Elite Series. I'm from Minnesota, born and raised. Did all my fishing growing up here, just fishing local team tournaments and stuff like that. And uh, Jumped in the Opens for a few years and qualified for the Elites, and here I am. Here you are. In a good way, too, buddy. <laughs> Well, you know, Seth, can I say, because you're from the Minnesota area, you're fishing up there in the Northeast, do you really consider uh, smallmouth your specialty, or, you know, is that just happened to be what you were fishing for in this last tournament and that you just really did a great job in that event? Uh, I mean, I guess it'd be my specialty coming from up here. We got a lot of smallmouth lakes that are pretty good, but we do have, I mean, everybody kind of gets the impression every lake we have up here has smallmouth in it, and that's not true, you know. Most of our uh, our team tournament stuff is probably 75% largemouth fishing, so. But we got a lot of grass and stuff, so realistically, my, my favorite thing to do is flip a big sinker in the grass and catch largemouth, to be honest with you. Well, let's talk a little bit about your victory, too. Now, this is the uh, last event on the BASS Elite Trail, if I'm not mistaken. It is what the, they call the Angler of the Year event. This is uh, the one that uh, determines who's going to be the Angler of the Year for BASS. You're in your second year fishing in the Elite Series, and I know you don't have a crack at Angler of the Year, but this is an important tournament for you nonetheless. And Please correct me on the pronunciation of the lake because of the fact that I'm used to pronouncing the names Mead, Havasu, Mojave, San Vicente. Is it is it Mill Locks Lake or how is it pronounced? It's, um, they call it Mill Axe. 
Mille Lacs, okay? And tell us a little bit about the lake. What is it connected to? Where is it? And what is it known for? Um, it's in uh, north-central Minnesota. The Rum River runs through it, which ends up dumping into the Mississippi, but uh, not a lot of inflow or outflow out of the lake. It's, uh, I think it's 130,000 acres, uh, predominantly rock. It's basically a 20-mile, eh, 15 to 20 mile diameter circle. It's pretty round. There's not a lot of bays or anything to it. Um, tons of little humps and rock structures out there to fish. So um, there's definitely a lot of water to fish. Well, you so know, how, how long have you been fishing that lake? Um, I mean, the first time I went up there was maybe 10 years ago, but the last four years, I'd say I've been fishing it really hard. It, it was known as like it was our best walleye lake. Oh, you guys really? don't have many of those out there, but that's kind of what Minnesota's all about is walleye fishing, and that was kind of always our, you know, yeah. best fishery farm. I mean, on opener, you couldn't get a spot at the boat ramps going there if you weren't there an hour before the sun came up. It it, it really kicked out the walleyes, and that kind of, um, I don't know how to describe it, but either way, they're they're not in there like they used to be, so the smallmouth kind of really took a good hold in there. There was a lot more forage for them and stuff, and they grew big. Well, well that, that's a fishery, you know, you only get to fish. You don't, you're not a year-round fishery up there, so you only get the several. Oh, no, no, we got a closed season, and then the other half of the year it's covered in ice. So How many months uh, of the year yeah, do you get You know, you're getting four months of fishing up there at best. So what do you use? What's your main uh, tactic when you're, when you're fishing? you got four months. You must have just a, a, a small, actually, a kind of a quiver of what you like to throw during that four-month period. Um, early in the spring, I do a lot on hair jigs, little marabou jigs. Uh, we get a lot of, like, mayfly hatches and another one called a fish fly that hatch, and they, they eat a lot of insects early in the year, June, July. And um, there's a ton of crawfish in there. I always feeding on them, so tubes and stuff like that are good. I mean, drop shots, bread and butter for smallies, and then, um, towards the end of the season, like, uh, it hasn't happened yet, but soon once the water gets a little bit colder, they really switch to the tulipy. Probably not familiar with that, but, uh, it's a bait fish, kind of like, uh, Cisco. They come up shallow. They're suspended out in the middle of the lake all summer. They come up shallow on the reefs. That's when a swim bait gets really, really good in the fall. Big ones or small swim baits? How big are your swim baits you throwing? Uh, whatever you want to throw. I mean, um, you know, I throw like a... A four-inch paddle tail a lot. That gets you a lot of bites. But, um, you know, a, a depth 175 is a pretty killer bait up there, too. Oh, man. That's good. Better believe it. Hey, I, yeah, and us. when you get bit on that, it's a five, six-pounder every time. You oh, know, when you're throwing, like, little boot tails and stuff, you catch a lot of three- and four-pounders, too. That's the right one to throw. We like throwing the big ones. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Seth, now, now you're coming up this tournament, this last tournament in the Elite Series. Uh I know that, you know, you haven't done as well as you'd like to do, but it's important that you do well in this tournament. You get your pre-fish period comes up, and your pre-fish was probably one of the strangest pre-fishes I've heard about uh, <laughs> when it comes to a, uh, uh, a major event like that, and especially for a young guy where it's at such a, an important event. Tell us uh, how, your, how your pre-fish went. Uh, well, Monday of practice, I fished a different tournament on Lake Minnetonka. 
Tuesday I was on the water for maybe an hour. I, I tried to go to two different spots, and within 15 minutes of pulling up on each spot, I had a few boats around me. So uh, the last day of practice, I went out solely just to shoot a, a Bassmaster Gallery with Thomas Allen, and that was the extent of my practice for the tournament. So but I, I really did my practice there last year. Um, when I saw that on the schedule last fall, I spent a week straight out there last uh, last year about this time. And that's that's really when I did all my practice for this lake. Well, tell us how your days of tournament fishing went, especially since you didn't get a chance to uh, uh, pre-fish it a lot to really establish any patterns. Uh, uh, you were gleaning on what you did last year. Did you go back to your notes? And, and how did you uh, approach the uh, days of fishing that you had on this event? Yeah, it, it definitely took me a while to get the ball rolling in the tournament. Um, you know, I kind of... Like I said, the weather had been a little cooler last year when I was out there, so the fish were a lot more stacked up. So the first two places I went is kind of just where they were loaded up last fall at that time and uh, basically struck out. I did catch one nice one on the second spot I went to, like a five and three quarter or something. But uh, after that, I just kind of started <clears throat> heading back out to where they typically summer and uh, just kind of stayed in those big fish areas. I wasn't getting a lot of a lot of bites during the tournament, but I was on the right areas of the lake that the, you know, five and six pound smallies live in. So I was pretty confident that in eight hours I could track down five of those caliber of fish and I was able to do that each day. But yeah, I definitely started out slow and then, uh, kind of figured it out halfway through the first day. They were still on the summer stuff. And, um, you know, just, I did a lot of looking during the tournament. It's, it basically all came down to isolated boulders out in deep water and, um, you know, half the stuff I weighed fish off was stuff I actually found during the tournament, just side scanning, um, looking for what they typically live on in the summer. Yeah. Just waiting for a little deeper water presentation on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My fish were out in uh, 18 to 20, whereas in the fall, when they, like I said, them tulip come up shallow to spawn on those reefs, so a lot of the fish are in, you know, 12 to 15 feet in the fall and. Um, they they weren't up there yet, so I had to go out to kind of really spend their summers. Did you fish know, your jig more around that bouldery stuff? Say what now? Did you fish a jig, or what were you fishing around that? Uh, I caught all my fish exclusively on a drop shot. There you go. Yeah. Hey, Seth, uh, Dean Rojas was quoted as saying, these are absolutely the laziest, fattest fish I've ever seen, and one of the reasons were is that the crawdad population in that lake is gyrendous. Did you uh, did you find that too? And how'd you overcome uh, uh, having to fish fat and lazy fish, getting them to bite? Yeah, I think that's kind of an advantage for me though, because I knew that going into it. That place is so full of food. Like uh, a smallmouth does not have to swim more than a foot to eat a crayfish in that lake. So, um, and then big fish, like Rojas said, they're fat and lazy. Um, I basically had to put a drop shot on their head, and some of those fish took, I mean, there was one fish specifically that took five minutes to catch. It was a six-pounder, but um, I, I think m most of my bites came, you know, just out of, it was almost like bed fishing, you know. I kind of almost had to, like, anger them into biting or almost a defensive thing, you know, where they just, the bait was in their face so long they just ate it just to, not have to look at it anymore. You know, they, there's definitely not any hungry fish in that lake. So, you know, we're, uh, you know, on tour, a lot of the guys uh, depend on the 
running and gunning uh, uh, type of uh, method of fishing where they're going out looking for feeding fish and the, you're using reaction baits. You, uh, on the other hand, were kind of taking your time a little bit. Uh, it's obviously the water clarity is there that you can either see fish or you can see structure where you thought there was fish and you figured, hey, I'm going to just spend my time. I know there's a big fish down there, and I know I can entice them to bite if I stay here long enough. Is, is that kind of a correct statement? Yeah, yeah. They don't they don't really get very active until uh, they get on the bait fish in the fall. Then they'll they're a lot more prone to chase stuff. You know, a jerk bait, a swim bait plays a lot once they get on that. But when they're eating crayfish, there's just there's so many of them in the lake, and they just they don't have to go anywhere to eat them, and they're. There's just too much food. There, there's no, uh, there's no need to chase anything down and burn calories. They can sit next to one boulder the entire summer and eat crayfish and never have to move three feet. And that's <laughs> that's part of the reason they get so fat. I mean, those, I don't know, you saw the weights. Those fish are ridiculous, and those aren't long fish either. Those are, they couldn't fit another crayfish in them if they wanted to, you know. Hey, we are speaking with uh, Seth Fighter. He's a pro bass angler from Minnesota. He just won the. Uh, BASS uh, Mills Lock uh, Angler of the Year Tournament came in first place. Uh, I think he impressed a lot of guys with, and a lot of people out there in the industry with not only how he fished but what he caught. Uh, Seth, we got to take a break here right now. Anyway, we can talk you into uh, staying on for another segment with us. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. Hey, you're listening to Rod Real Radio on AM540 or at rodreelradio.com. Stay tuned. Stan and I will be back after these messages. Amber Marine has been servicing boats and outboard motors for more than 30 years in the Newport Harbor area. They're a factory-authorized dealer for Tohatsu and Nissan outboards and also provide factory-authorized repair and service for all types of marine outboards. Located near the corner of 17th and Placentia Avenue, Amber Marine is at 786 Newton Way in Costa Mesa. Affordable boating and repair since 1982. 949-646-6918 and on the web at ambermarine.net. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at 
www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and to secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey, everybody. This is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fish at Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were. Stan and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Real Radio. And just a reminder, this Friday, Rod and Real Radio is going to Cedrus Island. We're flying on down there, flying back. We leave Friday, we come back Monday. We got a great group of folks going down there. If you're interested in going on this trip, just get a hold of us here at RonRealRadio.com or Ron Real Radio on Facebook or get a hold of me here at Angler's Arsenal, 619-466-8355. It's going to be a great trip. And as we've reported, the yellowtail fishing there is outstanding and the calico fishing is some of the best in the world. Hey, Stan and I, we're talking uh, with Seth the Fighter. He is the Bass Master Champion for Mills Lock Lake out of Minnesota, won the the uh, Angler of the Year tournament. Uh, congratulations to Gerald Swindell for taking over the honors of Angler of the Year in the BASS, and we want to give him kudos. But, you know, Seth, I, I know just right before you were on Rod and Real Radio, you were also on with uh, live with Ike. Uh, there wasn't any trash talking or anything like that with uh, you finishing ahead of Ike in that tournament, was there? Uh, no, I actually haven't been on yet. I got, I guess Gerald Swindle has a really early bedtime, so they bumped me back to go on after him. So I'm actually jumping on there right after I get the phone oh. with you guys. All right. Well, hey, congratulations on that, too. And if you need to cut away, just let us know because I can understand. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, tell us a little bit of how the fishing went for you. You know, you were talking about a lot of crawdads on the lake, but you didn't use a crawdad lure. You uh, used something a little bit different and Maybe that difference, uh, obviously, it made a big difference. They were looking for something else to eat. Yeah, I don't know. I, I used a it's a natural shad-colored 4-inch Senko wacky rigged on a drop shot. But, uh, you know, I don't know if it was my bait that really mattered was a big difference. It was more of the patience, like, just getting and dropping right on those fish was really critical. If you missed them by a few feet, you weren't getting bit. Um, just hitting them on the head and then having the patience. You know, there's a ton of fish in that lake. There's a bunch of walleyes and stuff, too. So a lot of guys are seeing fish all over in the graph. You know, they drop to them, don't catch them right away, and just don't think anything of it. But, you know, staying on there, staying on those fish and having the patience and the confidence and knowing that they were bass and 
get him to bite was probably the biggest key for me. Like I said, there was literally a six-pounder I caught on the last side of the tournament. It took me like five minutes to fish, you know. I went over him, dropped my bait on him, I backed off. I was fishing it three, four minutes. was literally about to reel my bait in, and I drove back over the top of him with my graph, and he's still sitting there looking at it. So I backed up, and about a minute later he bit, and that was a, a really key fish for me in the tournament. But a lot of them are like that. The longer it took for them to bite, it seemed like the bigger they were. Like the, you know, the fish that you dropped on that bit right away typically were two-pounders. You know, Seth, you're talking about there's also being a lot of walleye, a lot of pike in this lake. And before the tournament came off, I saw on Facebook there were a lot of the uh, the bass uh, master guys were, were showing pictures of, of big pike and everything like that. that uh, we don't see a lot of pike and walleye out here in the Southern California area. I think the closest is Lake Powell. Uh, uh, do they hit Cinco's and uh, uh, bass baits like that, or are they more like hard baits and jerk baits and things like that? Uh, you can catch them on whatever, you know. Um, but I, I was definitely catching some drop shot, and I know a lot of guys were catching walleyes, just dragging tubes and stuff. I mean, they're up there doing the same deal, eating crayfish and stuff. So, And a pike will... Pike are the worst. They'll literally eat anything. Um, you know, well, they're an expensive fish. They they like to bite off expensive jerk baits and tungsten sinkers. Uh, well, you're on the third day. Uh, you're on the last day of the tournament. I think it's the third day. I'm not sure. The third day or the fourth day. You're sitting in line. You know, you have a decent bag. Uh, uh, you got to be excited. You, you probably did. You know that you had won the tournament at that time. Or tell us what your feelings were when you were in line waiting to weigh in. Yeah, it, it was pretty cool. I had a lot of friends and family come up and watch and follow me around on the lake and cheer me on, and that was probably the coolest deal out on the water when you catch a big one and, you know, 40 of your buddies are screaming their heads off when you get in the boat. It, that was cool. But, um, you know, I, I had a little little lead going into the last day. I knew if I caught five big ones, I'd most likely win. So about, you know, mid-afternoon when I put that fifth big fish in the boat, I, I I had a pretty good idea that I had won, but uh, you never know. That lake's so good. Anybody could have caught a 30-pound bag and beat me, but um, I, I was pretty confident it was over at that point. But either way, it was a, it was a really special week, and it, it just felt kind of meant to be. You know, I just barely made it there in the last qualifying spot to get there on the last tournament of the year. I had a really good finish. So, but, I don't know. It seems like when you win tournaments, they're just meant to be, and there's – you know, nothing else you can do about well, it. Well, it sounds like you had a little momentum going to that event. Uh, you know, being on that last day, uh, what was the weight that you had and what was your total weight from the turn for the tournament, and what kind of a margin did you win by? Um, I caught 26-2, I believe, on the last day. I had 50 pounds after the first two days, and I think I ended up winning by six-something pounds. But, um like I said, that lake's so good. It's just, it's a complete slugfest. You're just never safe there, you know. There's so many big fish in the system. Any one of them guys right behind me could have caught a, a well, mega, we, mega bag and beat me. But um, Were these predominantly smallmouth? Were these predominantly yeah, smallmouth? This, this is all small. There were some guys that did largemouth fish, but I don't think anybody caught more than 20 pounds on purely largemouth, so. All those 24, 25, 26-pound bags you're seeing were all smallmouth. Well, you know, we got to congratulate you. we got a, a lake out here called Havasu where there's uh, going to be a uh, really respectable population of smallmouth. But 
Stan, what do you think? Uh, 26 and a half pounds of smallmouth, uh, not a bad limit. I don't care where you are, 26 and a half pounds <laughs> is a good limit. I mean, <laughs> out here, you know, we had, I had 29.87 or something like that uh, in one tournament, but that's the biggest limit they've had in the lake in like years. Uh, so anytime you get over 20 pounds, it's always good. When you get 25 pounds, you're pretty much in that, I think I got a, a shot at it, realm. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, we actually uh, fished Havasu last year. I, I like that lake quite a bit. I fished all smallmouths there too, but um, it was more like well, three you know, pounders than well, the elite twenty-five but. pounds of the classic. And when you're yeah. fishing at one of those events, and you you're you've got a five-pound average, that's incredible, and you got to be pretty confident about that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Seth, uh, we have a, a message here from uh, one of our listeners. They know that you're sponsored by uh, Daiwa. He says that he's yeah. fished a lot of the reels out there, but Daiwa is coming out with some great products, uh, especially the Z's uh, uh, new TW that they've got out, that high-end uh, reel. Have you had a chance to fish with that yet? And uh, you yeah. want to ask what you thought about it. No, that reel's awesome. I believe he's talking about a, a Zillion SV with the T-Wing system. That's the TW. Yes. Uh, those reels are incredible. Um, between the T-Wing system and the um, SV spools, they're just they're so versatile now. They're, they're, over in Japan, they made a lot of, like, really nice finesse reels that you could, you know, put 8-pound line on and cast a 16-ounce jig on a bait caster and, you know, for the American market, they made really nice heavy-duty stuff that you could put braid on and punch with and crank the drag down. But now they've kind of merged the two. So you got with that Zillion SV, you can still take and put really light on, light line on it and throw tiny baits and uh, also put big braid on it, lock it down, and punch with it. So it's an awesome reel. That's pretty much all I ran for bait casters this year. And then uh, I ran a couple different spinning reels. But every, everything they make, is it's super top-notch. There's no doubt about it. Well, this customer, uh, this uh, 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 listener asked uh, applications, and I think you said it. It sounds like uh, there's a wide range of applications that you can fish with this reel, with finesse to big jigs and uh, uh, spinner baits and cranks. Yeah, no, I'm I'm using that reel for all all my bait casting stuff. Well, hey, Just now super versatile. You won this tournament, and I, I know the last tournament of the year. Uh, you know, a lot of times we talk to the pros, and there's that one event that really turns their career around for them. And it, you know, and would you say that this was uh, uh, really a career-turning event for you, or does does it uh, just help you for seed money to fish next year? Yeah, oh uh, no, it was for sure a career changer for me. I mean, go before the lacrosse tournament, which was the second to last tournament of the year. Um, I was kind of on the brink of, you know, maybe not even coming back next year. And uh, those last two tournaments, you know, I want a little bit of money, but not a ton. And but I think the amount of uh, press I'm getting and exposure I'm getting from for, will help a lot with sponsors. So hopefully that'll help out quite a bit next year. And I won't have to. Um, I'll be able to fish a little more freely with less worries, you know. And what's going to be your plan for next year? Are you fishing just? Uh... Uh, the BASS, you're going to fish the Elite. Uh, any plans to fish FLW or a lot of local tournaments or what? Yeah, I don't think – I think the FLW and Elite Series might conflict this year. I'm not sure. But uh, definitely doing the Elite Series. Um, 
And then I'll, uh, I'm just a tournament junkie, man. I, I go jump in little Wednesday nighters and stuff when I'm home for a couple of days. So if there's a local tournament going on when I'm in town, I'm, I'm fishing it for sure. Well, you know, you are a tournament junkie, but, you know, you can't fish the Elise tournament with a lot of support from uh, not only a lot of people, a lot of great sponsors. Uh, why don't you tell us about some of the people that have been standing behind you, especially at a time when they were gone. And eh, we don't know. It's a young kid. He's got a lot of talent, but uh, he's got to get out there and it's performed. And and you've done it. Who are those people that have stood behind you? Oh, Rappel and Iowa have been huge for me. Um, and then uh, also this year I signed on with Basket and Mercury, and that was awesome. My first year running on tour, I was running my old boat still and broke down like every other tournament. So it was really nice for uh, Basket and Mercury to help me out and get me in a new boat where I had you know, a little more peace of mind making those. A lot of the places we go, like even when we were at the Delta, I mean, we were running 90 miles one way, you know, sure. like, the older boats don't hold up very well, so uh, that was really nice of them. And Outcast Tackle as well, but uh, Rappel and Iowa by far the most have helped me out. Um, you know, took a shot on me before I'd really done anything, and you know, it's nice to you know kind of pay him back a little bit. Rappel has got a lot of new products that uh, the freshwater fishermen should know about. What are what are a couple of products that you recommend that uh, we should be looking at? Um, well, one that I used in the Malax tournament, it's it's a new hook from BMC. Rappel owns BMC. They're right. kind of all one deal. Um, it's a number. It's a Nico hook. They designed it for Nico rigging, but I've been using it for Nico rigging, drop shotting, and uh, also wacky rigging. But that that's that's been a really crucial part of my success this year. I've, the hook's just like so good. It's like 99% land ratio. That's well, been a it- big deal for me this year. Just explain to us, because there could be a lot of fishermen out there that are not familiar with the term Nico rigging. Uh, what What is that, and how do you make that presentation? Uh, the well, the nice thing about that Nico hook is it's more of a it's more of like a Shaughnessy style hook rather than most of the finesse hooks. You know, have really short shanks, and uh, the problem with that is you end up skin hooking a lot of fish. Like in the top of the mouth, you'll just get a little piece of skin on those little drop shot hooks, and right. They'll make, like, one hard, and I've caught them before. I've caught five, six-pounders just on the littlest piece of skin. And uh, But this hook, because of the longer shake, it roughs them every time, and uh, it, it really increases your landing percentage. But as far as Nico rigging goes, that's a, a fairly new finesse technique. Um, it's I, I typically use a straight-tail worm for it. It involves a, a nail weight in the head, and then essentially you're wacky rigging the worm, but your hook goes... Um, parallel with the worm rather than perpendicular which actually makes it pretty weedless but it, it's a killer finesse technique i know especially a lot of them guys out west are caught a lot of bass on those fish i know i talked to cody meyer at the um icast and he said he thought over 75 percent of the bass he's weighed in on the last two years have been on an eco rig so wow. um it's definitely a fish catcher it's, it's a little different than anything else we've thrown at them uh, got a little bit different action to it, and I don't think they've seen it that much. So, it's uh it's been catching a lot of fish for me this last two years. Well, Seth, you live in a part of the country where during the winter, if you don't keep on moving around a lot, you stick to the ground. What what is your winter like uh, up there? Uh, and how do you prepare to, to to fish down here in the in the southern states or the the warmer latitudes? 
Oh, uh, yeah, it's it's brutally cold up here. I love getting down south any chance I can, but uh, we also got a we got one little section of the Mississippi River up here. It's got a warm water discharge on it, and we'll put the waders on and uh, go fish out there in the middle of the winter in open water. So that's probably the coolest thing we got up here. It's way better than ice fishing, but I, I love going down south anytime I can in the winter. That's for sure. It's it's pretty brutal up here. <laughs> Well, Seth, uh, a fighter, a young bass fisherman that's uh, getting out there, making a name for himself. Seth, people want to keep up with what's happening to you, learn more about you, contact you, communicate with you, find out more about your sponsors and the products you're using. How's the best way to go about doing it? Uh, They can find me on Seth Fighter Fishing on Instagram and Facebook. All right. That's probably the best way to get hold of me. Well, all I can tell you is Bassmaster Champion, Seth Fighter, they can't ever take that away from you. Uh, uh, we look That's forward right. to speaking to you more uh, in uh, uh, 2017, uh, winning those tournaments, going out there and doing it. Thanks for spending some time, and uh, also thanks uh, thank the G-Man and, and Ike for uh, screwing up on their schedule so we can spend some time <laughs> with you tonight. Yep. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. We'll see you soon. All right, Congratulations Seth. again, and go right. get them. Much success you. to you. Thank you. Hey, we'll talk to you guys. Hey, Stan, that's that's really great. A young fisherman coming on up wins a big tournament like that, and it gives him the seed money and turns his career around where uh, uh, instead of maybe uh, uh, doing something else, he continue his bass fishing career and maybe make a name for himself. Great story. You're not kidding. I mean, it just shows to go, you. You know, everybody has a shot at it if you can get out there and you can catch five fish. You put your pants on just like all those guys do. Go and try. You know, don't be afraid to fish these things. I mean, if you get a chance to do this in your life, you know, a lot of people are afraid to take that chance. But don't be go out there and to have 25 pounds of fish. I don't care what tournament you're in. That is an exceptional weight. <laughs> you know, all five pound fish doesn't happen to very many people very many times in the tournament career. Maybe never. So that's pretty spectacular. And all I can say is congratulations, Seth. All right. Hey, uh, Stan, you've gone out and uh, uh, you found a company that is really helpful for you and a lot of people that have uh, older boats and motors and everything like that. And we're going to have them um, next. We're going to have Brad Mennett from Amber Marine on. Uh, but uh, first, we've got to take a break. Stay tuned. This is Rod and Real Radio on AM 540 or at com. We'll be back right after these messages. Captain Chris Randall from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here and it's time to go on the Chief. For those that are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of moves. Movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity. We have twin six ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to HM Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619 222 1144. You can also follow us on Facebook. Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. 
Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for BASSBOAT insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. I want to welcome back to uh, Ron Rural Radio. Hey, we're having a hard time right now uh, getting a hold of Brad, but uh, we'll, as soon as he gets on, we're going to be talking Brad Bennett from Amber Marine. Uh, Stan? I got to tell you, uh, you know, while we're waiting for a note from Brad over here, uh, I got to tell you that uh, we still have uh, uh, are experiencing some of the best fishing of the season right this very minute on our offshore. What do you think? I I, I just cannot fathom how fabulous <laughs> that that five day trip was. Uh, I I've gone on lots of five days. Last year was pretty incredible because you got a the the Variety. I mean, we went from yellowfin and big yellowtail to big bluefin to uh, dorado and then wahoo and then calico bass and then more dorado. I mean, that was wild, but that's, you know, going down in Mexican waters, we fished what we could up here. To stay in the U.S. waters and come up with fish like you would catch, I mean, the weight-wise of the fish we had, quality-wise, would be like going to Guadalupe Island. Um, It was just phenomenal, especially... The last day, we pulled up into one of the little rocky areas off of, off the island there, San Clemente, and then in two hours, we landed well over 100 yellowtail that were up over 40 pounds, a lot of them. Um, you just don't see that. Uh, so from our side, uh, we had a, a phenomenal trip. The quality of the yellowfin that's been out here, you know, when that stuff came up, it was 50 to 150 pounds, a lot of that a lot of the guys got into, look at the bluefin, up to over 200, almost 200, almost 300 pounds. You know, some of them 290, 270. That's an incredible season we've had. And to be able to still go out there and catch that stuff in, into the that 70 to over 100 pound over there at San Clemente when they got on the pyramid uh, out there. Pyramid's just a big muddy top, but, you know, as a 
currents flow over the top, those fish feed there. And, man, it was I even got a, <laughs> I let a bait drop with that three-quarter ounce uh, slide sinker. I got a sand dab. <laughs> but unsuspected, uh, <laughs> but had dropped a little bit too far. Um, but the the fishery right now, the fishing, if you can get there, you know, and I mean, I know the Navy has kicked us out and they're not letting people in there for a while. It's been back and forth, but exceptional fishing. Just fun, fun, fun. If they get the right bait, you get the right timing, it can be uh, absolutely the best fishing you'll ever have. Well, you know, Stan, we, uh, uh, you know, we're ready to do that. After I talked to you, we went out right after you on, on the legend, had a two-and-a-half-day trip uh, going to San Clemente. I thought it was going to be the deal. You and I had talked a little bit, and I had a 60, a 40, and a and a 30-pound rig on, and then I have my bass rod. And uh, it, we we get in the galley and get our safety meeting, and uh, uh, Captain Chuck Taft says, Guys, I just talked to Bobby. And uh, Bobby says, uh, hey, the fishing's lousy at San Clemente. We're going to go after the, uh, the schooling fish that have been at the 302. Hey, I'm going to stop this uh, conversation right now because we have with us now Brad Mennett. He is the owner of Amber Marine. And, Stan, you want to give uh, our listeners uh, a little introduction to Brad, if you will, please. Yeah, this is one of California's gold little places that nobody knows about. Um, in my industry, in the insurance world, I've got people that are always breaking parts and breaking motors, and especially on some of the older stuff that's around because I just picked up a new new boat for me. It was a, a, a beater that I needed to fix up, and it had a Johnson on it. And then I did a little research, and out of the blue, I came up with the name Amber Marine uh, after looking online and got a hold of Brad and started talking. And these guys are like the gold mine for people that have older motors that need somebody that has the parts and the availability to be able to fix them because not everybody knows about some of the older motors out there. Not only do they do that, but they're, they're professionals in the Johnson Evinrude arena, very, very good at that. And then the Tohatsus, which all the guys use on their sailboats and, and some of the other motors out there, they still work on Yamaha and, and uh, Mercury and the rest of them also. But, Brad, you know, how long – let's do – Let's talk to you a little bit about uh, how long have you been in business there? Well, hey, Stan. How's it going? Good to talk to you again. Hey, good talking to you, Brad, and welcome to Rod and Real Radio. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be on the radio. Um, well, I've been doing this since I was 12 years old, so <laughs> things went <laughs> on for a while. <laughs> so and, you've uh, seen, Brad, you've seen the inside of a few Johnson Everwood motors in your lifetime, right? Oh, I saw the inside of Stan's pretty well and we came to the conclusion it was time to replace it with another used one but they're always good motors and they've been around longer than any other outboard motors everybody knows johnson ever rode 1918 so they're still building a good product and now it's come down to an e-tech which is a very fuel efficient motor um we sell tatsu nissan and when i purchased my business i was really surprised because i didn't know much about them how many people came in the door speaking highly of them 10, 15 years, never a service. Motor runs great, one pull. I'm like, wow, these are yeah. pretty good motors. So I got into that, and I supply parts for everybody. If anybody needs anything, they're welcome to call up, uh, use power packs, lower units, power trim motors, power heads, whatever you need. Uh, we've, we've got most highly uh, big selection of used parts. It's kind of like a junkyard. So... 
On the other hand, Tatsu uh, has been around since 1956. People don't realize that. And they're one of the older manufacturers in Japan of making, um, actually, they're the number one commercial fishing motor in Japan. So they've come a long ways in their part. And I work with them. And we sell a lot of them. We're, we're a high-volume seller. And, uh, we do high, high discounts also. Anybody you know wants to look around, shop around, they'll, if they go to ambermarine.net, they'll get the best price for the best deal. Now, Brad, being uh, located there in Costa Mesa, uh, I immediately think about your specialty as more saltwater motors. And and if you look at saltwater motors, uh, you know, even though the freshwater guys, uh, you know, we're running at 70 miles an hour all the time and we can blow up stuff, you've got to see a lot more problems when it comes to fishing in the salt than we ever see in, in the freshwater. And, and is that what you consider your specialty, or are you balanced between freshwater and saltwater? No, I'm pretty much balanced, but uh, like I said, growing up in Newport Beach my whole life, uh, you learn how to heat up a torch and turn a bolt. <laughs> so there's a little difference there. You know, these freshwater motors are easy to come apart. They don't get, uh, you know, oxidization. They don't corrode. So the saltwater deal is it's a little different scenario, but all in all, you know, that's why we keep all the used parts. Some people, you know, if they don't tilt their motor up and they're leaving them down, especially with the warm waters and the high concentration of electrolysis, there's a little little difference in outboard motors. So, um, yeah, I'd, I prefer to work on a fresh motor, water motor any day over a saltwater motor, that's for sure. But we do what we got to do because we're, we're serving Southern California and we're right next to the ocean. Well, you know, I mean, the best thing was when I found them, I ta- started talking with them. And for my end of the industry, you know, we've got guys that are always running into rock piles and tearing their motors up or lower units up. Uh, and a lot of people have older Johnson motors that they just have, you know, something broken on it and they can't find parts. Well, he is the parts guru. Uh, they got parts for, for all kinds of, of motors. And they've got used, reconditioned motors the, from small to large that somebody can pick up at very reasonable pricing, which is very hard to find. And so if a guy needed a, he broke a motor even on your bass boat and you needed another one or you're just your standard fishing boat or your, your trout boat where you just needed a 20-horse or 25-horse motor, you can pull start and go back up to the Sierras. He's got them, which is very hard to find. And then the guys that I've been sending people, you know, giving the phone number to uh, uh, my friends and their clients that that have these older motors, and I go, this is the only guy in town. He's, and he's easy to find right at the end of the 55 freeway, hang a right on 17th, go to uh, two streets down, hang a right <laughs> just about, and, and you're there. It's real simple to find. Um, and and he's been uh, super valuable for uh, people that I know that have that older motor that didn't know where to go because there aren't that many people that have your knowledge. No, and that's why I've, I've got some technicians working there that specialize in the older stuff. Because uh, these days everything's computer controlled. There's two technologies. You know, nowadays you got to plug in, analyze it just like your car, and you've got to read it out. And hopefully everything's good to go. The older motors, it's it's easier just to replace a part. If you think you've got a bad ECU, just put another one on it. Don't go out and spend money on a new one. And the customer's happy. We're happy. Everybody's back on the water. Yeah, but and a lot uh, of the older motors are very fixable. It's the lot. They're they're 
they don't have a lot of the computerization that the, that the new motors have. You can put it together, redo it, and they're turnkey, ready to rock and roll again, and they last a good long time. Well, that's why we're a valuable source, because a lot of these shops only work on all the new Yamahas and different types of motors with all the computer controls, and they can't find anybody that will work on an older motor. So what are you supposed to do, take it and throw it in the junk pile? Or do you just fix it up and keep it running for another 20 years? I've, I've got a boat in my garage, 1957, the little Woody. It's a cutie. Um, it's got the 57 Johnson Diablo, and I, I just got off the lake a few months ago and ran it all over the place. I'd trust that like a Model A. You could always fix them. If you're out in the water and you've got an ECU that breaks down, you're stuck. If you've got a point-driven motor, at least you can clean one point or you get home on one cylinder. I've done it many times. Well, Brad, what I'm also impressed is is that Ambermarine Amber Marine also honor, uh, offers full dyno and computerized testing for units, and you can analyze uh, engines up to 300 horsepower. So we're we're not talking about old clunkers or anything like that. We're talking about some pretty high performance stuff. So you guys at Amber Marine, you can handle the gambit. Well, yeah, we do. We handle all kinds of uh, motors, and they're making them, obviously, up to 350 horsepower. It'll be 400 horsepower here pretty quick, so I'll have to get another dyno. But it's nice to be able to put the motor under load, check the cooling system, check the fuel system, and then pull the report and hand it to the customer. So they've got a full diagnostic. They can We give them a spark chest, compression check. We, we check the whole thing in the gear case. And if we tell them, look, it's time for another motor, then it's time for another motor. All right. So, uh, hey, uh, Brad, if we want to find out more about Amber Marine, the, the services that you had, uh, see what you do, uh, you're on the Internet, or uh, give you a call, how's the best way to contact you and get the information? Uh, it's ambermarine.net or info at ambermarine.net. And you've got a website, ambermarine.com. You can go and see the motors that they have for sale, even the used motors they've got for sale. If you're looking for something to repower your boat and you just didn't know where to look before, this is the place. All right. Hey, uh, uh, Brad, uh, a minute from Amber Marine. Thanks a lot for being with us, and we look forward to seeing you soon and uh, appreciate you coming aboard and telling us more about the features, advantages, and benefits of Amber Marine. We'll be seeing you soon. Okay, thank you for your time. It was nice talking to you, gentlemen, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again. Don't tell Matt I said hi down there. Their mechanic is one of the best. They've got great guys working there. That's all I can say, people. Well, I'll let them know, Stan. You guys all right. have a good, uh, good evening, and thanks again. Hey, Stan, we've got to stick a fork in it for tonight. That's it. Man, it's crazy how quickly two hours goes by, isn't it? You know, when you're talking fishing, that happens. <laughs> what can I tell you? Hey, everybody, thanks a lot for uh, tuning in tonight. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us on behalf of Jorge and the AM540 Studios. Ben Harvey, who puts the show together here down here in San Diego, and will always, always in memory of Big Tuna Bill, and Eddie McCune, who gave us this fabulous research, which is Rod and Real Radio. Thanks for being with us. But also, we want to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in and making it worth our while. You can get out there and get them, man. They are biting both on the freshwater and saltwater side. 
Next week, we're going to have a recorded show, but we'll be back live two weeks from tonight at 5.05 p.m. on Ron Real Radio at AM 540 or at com. So on behalf of the whole staff, good night, everyone. Go out and get them. They're getting away. I'm real gone, man. You ain't working anymore. Could be.